Yep. So due diligence starts when I am doing underwriting and asset evaluation. So I start with all of the documentation. So you want all of the you know, financials, you want all the rent rolls, uh, you want all of the environmental surveys, you know, what's called an Alta survey, um, uh, any appraisals that they may have, bank statements, whatever you can get documentation. And the brokers are pretty good these days with gathering documentation, especially on larger assets. So I start with that. And then I start look, looking deep into the surrounding area of the property. So what does the property look like? What is the surrounding area? What types of businesses are around the property? What do the vehicles look like? What does the traffic look like? I like to visit the property at different hours on different days. So that property can look very differently on a Monday at two o'clock than it will look on a Friday night at six o'clock, you know, or a Saturday afternoon at, or morning at 10, 11, you know. So you want to visit the property multiple times, different hours of the day, and kind of see what's going on. Look at the tenant mix. Look at what kind of cars are there. So that's where I start with the due diligence from a financial um, standpoint, from the, the paperwork and things like that. Once I'm on site and I'm doing a property visit, uh, kind of the same thing. I like to drive around the block, look at what the, you know, competing properties are. What are the vacancies? Are there for rent signs up everywhere? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And just kind of look at the general area within a one you know, to three mile radius. Of course, I've done all of that online as well, looking at rent comps, you know, things like that. Um, I read the reviews. What do they say about that? What do they say about the other properties around it? Things like that and do those comparisons. And then I've got some uh, analysis software that, that kind of shows you averages across the country of different things uh, that I use. But then when I get to the site, you know, I like to go through the property, drive through it, you know, and then start noticing everything, you know, from the ground up. So I look at the parking lot, the curbs, the sidewalks, the, you know, what does the landscaping look like? You know, what are the amenities of the uh, facility of the property look like? Uh, what do the vehicles in the property look like? What do the tenants look like? Uh, then I start looking at the building. What does the foundation look like? What is the bottom of the foundation where siding hits the slab? You know, is it on a crawl space? Is it on a podium uh, pedestal? You know, what, what kind of structure is it? So I'll look at that. What do the windows and doors look like? You know, what do the heat pumps look like? Utility connections, you know, things like that. So I take a real deep look at it. I don't get up on the roof myself, but I look at it from, you know, the ground and distances. So I can kind of get an idea of that and uh, try to assess the overall condition of the property. And then in this current environment, you can't get into the units. I like to go, I like to get into every single door in every single room. So even if you're in a uh, a unit or in an office, especially you want to look behind every door, find out what's going on um, and, and see if those units are occupied, if they're giving you, um, you know, accurate economic occupancy information and numbers and then visit each unit. So in a nutshell, I mean, that that's, you know, the, the, the wrap of what we've got going on. Now, when you add the coronavirus in there and especially as we start moving forward, you know, down the line, further down the line with this, um, you're going to want to verify economic, economic occupancy. You're going to want to have an honest conversation with the owner. You know, how many of your tenants are behind? What kind of jobs do they have? Where do they work? You know, those types of things. And you want to try to anticipate loss of income because it's going to be there. So if you're underwriting, I like to underwrite 10% vacancy. I'm very conservative. Uh, I never do less than 10% vacancy. And then I always make sure that I've got an, and this is before all this happened, I always make sure that I've got about a 20% cushion. So uh, at a very minimum, if I lost 20% of my income, that property should still take care of itself and pay back the equity. That's where I'm at. So obviously I've had to pass on a lot of deals in the last year because many of the deals wouldn't cover the debt service, much less the equity with a 20% vacancy, um, economic occupancy or uh, vacancy. So that's at a high level, the things that, that I look at. 
And it's real important to verify that occupancy in this, in this climate and find out who's current, who's not, who's going to have a problem. 